Worried about letting someone else pick out the perfect avocado for your perfect impress them on the third date guacamole? Well, good thing Instacart shoppers are as picky as you are. They find ripe avocados like it's their guac on the line. They are milk expiration date detectives. They bag eggs like the 12 precious pieces of cargo they are. So let Instacart shoppers overthink your groceries so that you can overthink what you'll wear on that third date. Download the Instacart app today to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. Welcome to Hollywood and Levine. I'm Ken Levine, your affable podcast host. This week, we're going to talk about commercials and what we can learn from them, uh, certain facets of commercials that can help you in writing your screenplay or script, pilot, whatever. So that's what we're going to talk about this week, notably Super Bowl commercials, since that's still kind of fresh in our minds, only been a couple of weeks Unless, of course, you're listening to this in August, in which case uh, you have totally forgotten all of the Super Bowl commercials. And actually, that is a point I will be making. So anyway, that's this week on Hollywood and Levine. But first, I want to talk about my sponsor, which is BetterHelp.com. Now, it's tough out there. We know all you got to do is watch CNN for five minutes and you're ready to jump off a bridge, uh, in addition to whatever personal problems we have or things that we want to do to improve our lives, to make ourselves happier, to improve our relationships, all of that, therapy is a great, great tool. And BetterHelp.com is online therapy, which means it's flexible you do it at home. You don't have to get in your car and drive downtown and park in the structure and sit in the waiting room for 15 minutes. It's very easy to do. And you have your pick. You just take a questionnaire. You fill it out. It only takes a couple of minutes. And then they match you up with a licensed therapist. And if it's not clicking for you, if you don't really feel that you have chemistry with that person, you can change at any time. It's a great way of, like I said, improving yourself. So become your own soulmate, whether you're looking for one or not. Visit betterhelp.com slash Levine today and you get 10% off your first month. Once again, that's betterhelp, H-E-L-P dot com slash Levine. Okay, that was my commercial. Now let's get into Super Bowl commercials. And one thing about the Super Bowl, actually it's the thing I like best about the Super Bowl, it is maybe America's last shared event. I mean, used to be where we used to call them water cooler shows, where uh, people would talk at work around the water cooler the next morning after seeing a show. Uh, used to talk a lot about award ceremonies the day after. Well, you don't do that anymore. You know, there are so many options that very few people actually watch the same thing at the same time. And award ceremonies, 
big deal, really. Used to be, but not a big deal anymore. Same thing with series finales. You know, it's like people who don't give a shit about football still watch the Super Bowl. And partly it's because they don't want to be left out the next day when everyone is talking about it. And the two biggest discussions generally about the Super Bowl are the halftime show and the commercials. Now, for the halftime show, the discussions are usually the same. Ex-rock star does a big overblown set with a thousand dancers. You can't really understand him or her. And half the country thinks that they are just awesome and that it was an unbelievable halftime show, while the other half think the show just sucked. But the commercials, everybody seems to have a varying opinion on those. There were some that you liked, some that you didn't like, some that you didn't understand, some that you thought were funny, some that you thought were idiotic, (laughs) some like me, where you're seeing supposed stars and actors, and I I know I'm an old guy, but I go like, who's this guy? Uh, Who's she? What's that person doing? Anyway, to me, the best thing about the commercials is the fact that we have discussions afterwards. Remember the days when we could have disagreements and not hate each other? But for me, the eye-popping Super Bowl commercials of the past are now just mind-numbing. I mean, considering what they cost to produce, which is probably millions, and what they cost to air, which you know is millions, you'd think they'd be better, right? There's just a sameness to them now. It's like, they were all just jam-packed and they all tried to outdo each other in cleverness in the number of celebrities making cameo appearances and in the eye-popping production values. And of course, it doesn't help that there are websites that will rate all of the commercials the next day. So it's a competition. They are in competition to outdo each other. Now, 30 or 40 years ago, when this trend began, uh, there was a real novelty to them. You know, it's like they seemed so new and original, and people started watching the Super Bowl for the commercials. And honestly, though, thinking back to the Super Bowl, And if you're listening to this, the week it dropped, the Super Bowl was only about a week and a half ago. How many of those commercials wowed you? I mean, how many of those commercials can you even remember? But I bet you can remember spots from the past. I bet you do remember the Bud Bowl the Budweiser Frogs, uh, Betty White playing football in the mud, that hot go-daddy woman, the Apple Think Different commercial, which I think might have been the start of this whole trend. I think that was like 1984. 
I'm I'm not a scholar in this. I don't know for sure. But I think that that Apple commercial was really the first commercial that really stood out because of all the production values and because of how different it was. And now they are all the same, essentially. It's just variations of the same trope. So some lessons to be learned. Like I said, there is a sameness in theme. I mean, how many of these commercials feature historical figures mixed with contemporary people? You know, old Visigoths are using iPhones. Uh, Commercials with slackers. Talking animals, that's always a big one. Old ladies acting badass. There's so much violence in all of these commercials. And at least once, maybe twice a year, there will be a Super Bowl commercial where somebody crashes through a wall. There is always a wall that is destroyed. And uh, let's see, what else? Um, Parodies. There's always a lot of parodies. And basically, there is a desperate attempt to be funny and to be memorable. And as a result, they cancel each other out. They all have elaborate production, but here's a truth in drama. Dazzling production values, all the CGI and special effects in the world is not going to guarantee a great commercial. It just won't. If the storyline is confusing, if the images come at you so rapid fire, uh, the spot has no impact. So for all that money, it's just a blur. Now, if I may, I want to go off on a tangent here. I want to go back to the halftime shows. Like I said, they too are all very much the same, where you have your star and giant stage and pyrotechnics and a hundred dancers, and it's just the same thing every single year. You just switch out one guy from another. It's, this was Rihanna, and now it's Usher. It's just one after the other. Okay, I remember a few years ago at the Grammys. And the Grammys also, when there were performances, pyrotechnics and light shows, laser shows and dancers and costumes and all, big deals, Big production numbers, all of the songs, except Adele came out and sang. And Adele just stood on the stage and sang into a microphone, and it was mesmerizing. And there was not a sound in that auditorium. And I'm thinking to myself, why can't they do that one year? in the Super Bowl. You need a great singer like Adele, but what if you just had a truly great singer 
It's like, I know she'd never do it, but imagine Barbara Streisand. That you just get 10 minutes of Barbara Streisand singing as only Barbara Streisand can. Wouldn't that be an interesting halftime show? I bet you, if they did that, look at all the Super Bowl parties that just like in the auditorium at the Grammys, there wouldn't be a sound that everyone would be transfixed watching the TV, hearing an amazing artist with an amazing voice sing. It'll never happen. Okay. <laughs> that's, uh, that's my tangent. Now I'm going back to commercials. Now, I can picture the ad execs trying to come up with their amazing 30-second spot. And I can see lots of ideas. They're all sitting around a table and everyone is pitching all these ideas and they're all writing them down. And it's like, how much can we cram into 30 seconds? I'm sure they have elaborate storyboards that are drawn up. They have huge budgets. And the whole process of making the commercials is probably... It probably costs as much as the gross national product of Liechtenstein just to make one of these 30-second commercials. And at the end of the day, what they have produced for all these millions is something that we have seen 50 times already. And the thing that I don't think these ad executives understand is they are so close to these commercials. I'm sure they've watched them frame by frame. I'm sure they know every line of the commercial. But the audience, just the virgin viewer, sees it one time. 30 seconds. It's on. It's off. And so all of those nuances that the ad execs think are just so cool, all those Easter eggs and everything, it's so great. And it's like, it just goes by everybody. You know, that's something that you really have to pay attention to. And it's something that we always face in writing multi-camera sitcoms is like, okay, we've heard this. We know what's going on. What about the audience? What about somebody seeing this or hearing this for the very first time? Are they going to be engaged? Is this actually going to be funny to them? You know, all the intricate story work that we've done is we know these characters so well. And for the audience, they're going like, wait, who is this again? What? What? You mention a name of some character that was in an episode two weeks ago, and the audience is going, I, I don't know. I didn't see that episode. I don't know what you're talking about. You have to be very careful to make sure that the audience is on board. 
And so this applies to all dramatic productions. You can be too clever. You can have too much content. Again, think of the audience. Okay, they have to absorb what's going on. Okay, when there's an edit, every three seconds, it's disorienting. And when you have a pilot, if you're going to introduce 15 characters and you're going to have three subplots for a half-hour show, it's too much. These shows are just so filled that the audience can't process it. There are other shows that are just wall-to-wall, fast-paced dialogue. At a certain point, it's just too much work for the audience. The audience disconnects. Sometimes less is more. And in the case of these commercials, there's another factor. It should be the main number one factor, but often it is relegated in importance or disregarded entirely. And what is it? Selling the product. Okay, now I watch these commercials and half the time I'm saying, how does this make me want to buy a car? Or why does this thing about uh, storming uh, a castle make me want to hire this real estate agent? For a lot of these commercials, I don't even know what product it is that they're selling. Is it just me? I don't think it is. Yeah, even though, yeah, I'm an old guy. But still, I bet you feel the same way. Like, you could have this commercial and there's these Vikings on a big Viking ship and J-Lo is there and, and there's a disco ball and people dancing and the sponsor turns out to be Pizza Hut. Okay? And those techno spots... You know, it might be a good idea to explain just what your company does. No, I am not a millennial, but hey, I might want to use your product if I knew what it was. And the Super Bowl is the only time you are going to reach me with your product. And you are spending millions and millions of dollars in order for your commercial to be in front of my eyes. Don't you think you'd want me as a customer? Explain just what the hell it is. And so my question in general Is the objective of Super Bowl commercials to win bragging rights, to get on top 10 lists of commercials, or are they to increase the sale of your product? Which, I don't know, I'm not in advertising, but it seems to me that that is a key factor. Okay, and finally... The batting average of gags that actually score is woefully low. 
I mean, is there anything worse than someone who isn't funny but thinks he's funny? And most of the gags just aren't that good. They're obvious, they're forced, they're derivative. And it's like the funniest guy at an ad agency might be less funny than the worst writer on the worst sitcom. I'm not saying this, that just a general rule that no guy in advertising is really funny. Guys, I'm sure there are a lot of uh, ad execs who are funny. Ironically, a lot of them get out of advertising and become comedy writers because they make a lot more money. And there's, I guess, a lot less pressure, but I don't know, since I haven't been in that world. But they do make more money uh, if they're a TV comedy writer than if they're just uh, Don Draper. And like I said, throwing in a $10 million budget and hiring Anthony Hopkins isn't going to make your commercial any funnier. When I write a pilot, I make it as simple as possible. I never have a B story. I never introduce seven characters at once. Again, the audience is trying to process this. They're sitting there watching going, who are these people? What is this setting? What's the situation? Do I find it funny? Do I care? Do I relate to these people in any way? Do I identify with them? I have 30 minutes to do that in a pilot, and honestly, it's not enough time. Now, imagine if I only had 30 seconds. So when you plot out a movie or a pilot or a play or whatever, and you've got all these great ideas, don't jam all of them into the project. Just use the best. And if the best is only one, it's a really good idea, that's enough. And that is this week on Hollywood and Levine. Our thanks, as always, to Adam and Susie Meister-Butler, to Howard Hoffman, John Wolfert, Bruce and Jason Miller. If you want to get in touch with me, Hollywood Levine at Outlook.com. That's Hollywood Levine at Outlook.com. You can see my cartoons from The New Yorker and Airmail and The Alta Journal on my Instagram page, which is Hollywood and Levine. Uh, please follow me. I'd like to have 450,000 followers. Um, I have 1,600, so I would appreciate uh, if you would follow me on uh, on Instagram since I have 450,000 people that listen to the podcast. If just half of you uh, signed up for it and followed me, that would certainly be enough. Got a good interview next week. Great writing advice from Robin Schiff, who wrote Romy and Michelle's High School Adventure. That is coming up next week. Again, thanks so much for listening, and we will see you next week right here on Hollywood and the Fine. <laughs>